This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, September 27th, and this is Season 6, Episode 7 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Returning, we have Mike. Hello, hello. And we have, uh, coming back to the podcast after probably about six months, uh, 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 Tall Rick, or uh, American Rick. Uh, I don't know if we ever <laughs> settled on a, a Rick title for you, but... Oh, let, let's, just make, let's just make up a new one every time. I like that idea. So. Yeah. What, what a weekend to be back. Wow, what a, I can pick them, huh? So. Yeah, and, and that's really the conversation that we're going to start with here. And this is certainly a, um, a brutal week. We are going into, um, and let me just set it up with, uh, so we had that awful Crystal Palace result, and then we took on Chelsea. There was a little bit of promise in the beginning of that Chelsea match. The first half uh, looked like we, we had something to offer there, and but then the collapse happened, and we gave up three goals. So we had two consecutive matches where we had given up three nil results, um, and we came into this Arsenal match, I think, feeling that this is a a weakened Arsenal team. They're not not the strongest in the world. This is this is one that we could attack and come after and possibly beat for the first time in a long time at the Emirates. Um, and that certainly wasn't what happened and what we saw. It was a, certainly an uglier experience. Um, and we're going to talk about that Arsenal result first, but I want to start the conversation just by asking, are we in trouble? Is, it, is uh, th- these three consecutive London derbies that we've ex- experienced uh, where we've given up three goals in each of them and only gotten one goal back at the very end of Arsenal, are we in trouble? Uh, who wants to tackle this one first? It looks like Lucas. Yeah, I, to be honest, yeah, we are in trouble, but um, I don't think this is anything different than where we expected to be uh, at this point in the season. I think the first three results that we had in those 1-0 wins has given us a bit of a, it kind of warped our perspective a little bit, and it made us think that we might be up for a little bit more than we should have been thinking we were up for this season. Um, again, nine uh Nine points out of six games is similar to where we kind of thought we'd be at this point. Um, I don't think we would have thought that those three last beatdowns we took would be as bad as they were. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we are in trouble, but this is stuff that we all knew this in the summer. Um, we haven't really changed that much other than a couple of signings here and there. Uh, some of the signings haven't even really got off the mark yet. So this is kind of where I expected us to be. I just it it hurts a lot more because we started with those three wins and made me I'll, I'll admit I started believing that hell we could challenge for top four and other stuff so I let myself get sucked in. Rick, 
Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we're in trouble in the sense of like relegation, right? We're we're not going to reach that. There's no. too much talent, and we're we bank some points, and you know, I I don't think that's realistic. But are we in trouble of just complete tenth to fifteenth mediocrity? You know, absolutely. Uh, I I think you have to say so. Even with the results that Lucas described earlier in the year, I mean, you go back, there was absolutely no good performances there, right? Like Watford was serviceable. Um, we, I thought we played really well against Man City, but again, you know, that's, you know, that's just batting down the hatches and, you know, in a beautiful sunny goal and that could have gone anyway, but you just consistently look at, you know, we're not creating chances. We're, we're not attacking quickly. We're too slow on the ball. We just look too disorganized defensively. And I mean that none of that's really aside from that Man City match to open the year. That's what we have been, you know, regardless of how the results have gone. So I, yeah, when I look at this team as it is currently deployed, I don't see any reason to think that, you know, we should be expecting anything better than middle of the table, certainly. Mike, I'll let you tackle this next. Yeah, I'm the type to stay positive and and, uh, and not overreact to results. I think I am, um, for the most part. Um, even, like, like, I'm a, I don't want to make this long, but I, I was even a believer in Mourinho um, for a while. I thought he could get us over the line when it came to the Europa League and keep us just, you know, fit six in the league. And I would be fine with that if he got us to the final. Um, and then we had that result against Dynamo Zagreb. Obviously, yes, we got kicked out of the Europa League, but that was such a poor result on the back of a, pair, a poor Arsenal result uh, and performance. And, you know, that was, for me, the nail in the coffin. I thought at that point Mourinho should have gone and we delayed it like three or four games and nothing had really improved. I think we might have had one win a couple of draws, and then we got rid of him before the, the final. Um, and we kind of delayed that. This is another uh, situation for me where I feel the same. Like, this is a uh, this is a small nail in the coffin for Nuno. And it's sad to say that so early. You know, this is only, we're only, you know, six games, six Premier League games, maybe nine games total. Um, but if you, you have to, like, if this were, like, one or two nail losses or one or two one losses and we were, Putting up a good fight, not getting over the line, that's a different story. It's just the manner of the defeats, you know, and you have to think about what Vieira is doing with Crystal Palace. You know, Crystal Palace are not a team that's better than us, but Vieira started with that team the same way Nuno started with this team. Very little time, but better performances out of Vieira's team than out of Nuno's team. And you look at the season stats they posted on Twitter, um, you know, this is like mid-game, this is in the 50th minute. Um, we're ranked bottom in, in, in shots under everyone, including Norwich, who are look like the worst team in the league. We're at 9.2 shots. We're bottom in chances from open play, which is 5.4. We're at 19th in shots faced. I think Norwich is the only team that has more shots faced. And then we're 20th in distance covered, which is 99.9, which, again, that's bottom for all three stats except for shots faced, which is 19th. And uh, y- 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 that's the concerning part getting results is a whole different story you know sometimes you play well you don't get the results that you deserve but we're getting results that we deserve and that's the scariest thing about it and and i i like where you've gone with this conversation mike because that's kind of where i wanted to go next uh before we tackle this arsenal match i wanted to have that question again you said this was the first nail in the coffin for for nuno and uh i want to see where everybody's out on on Nuno out, I do want to start before we have that conversation. Um, I uh, happened to search the hashtag Nuno out. Big mistake there. Um, 
and I saw some in- images that I found very disturbing, like uh, people mixing uh, uh, Nuno's face with Osama bin Laden and stuff like that. And I think that's despicable. Like, I think somebody can certainly be Nuno out, but uh, but to use that type of imagery to uh, to express your uh, dislike of him is is a pretty disgusting thing to do. So I, I definitely want to make sure that I condemn that before we have a conversation. And I, I'm I'm at the point where I'm not quite Nuno out, but I'm certainly um, like th- this hasn't been a, a, a good three weeks for him. The first three weeks were enough to get the points, but it, um, it's starting to question like what the plan is. And I want to hear what you guys have to say about where you're out on Nuno out. So uh, Lucas, it looks like you're first up. Well, I think for starters, I mean. I don't think much, many of us were never really Nuno in from this. Like when we were doing our manager search, we were all, that wasn't the first guy on our list. So we can't be really shocked that like the guy that was 10th on the list hasn't turned us around in a month. Um, but I, to me, I, I really don't think it matters whether Nuno's in or out. Um, I, again, we just haven't changed any of the core issues. We've gotten a couple of the older players out. We've done a little bit in terms of bringing in younger talent. Um but most of our core attacking players and defensive players are, we still don't have a midfield. We have, we brought in Romero who we still haven't seen play yet. And he's going to be going back to Argentina in a week or so. So we won't see him for another month. Um, But most of the core issues are still there. If you look at the attacking statistics and you don't even have to look at statistics. If you're a Spurs fan, you've watched this. We have two goals from open play in six games. And if you look, he, what he was able to do with Wolves how like bombing forward with their wing back system, like the way they were able to have those players attack. If you look at the Wolves team, you would look at us and say to a man, we are a more talented group than them. So what is it about? So that's why I'm saying, I don't want to throw Nuno under the bus so much. Cause I'm like, a lot of it is these players. These are the same players that we thought it was Jose having them sit back, but a lot of it is these players refuse to go forward and attack. And I don't get why, when you play again, we'll get into Arsenal, but if you have a team like Arsenal, that's defensively is like a liability back there with half their defensive players. How do you not attack these guys? And so how much of that is Nuno and how much is that? These are the players that didn't attack under Mason, didn't attack at the end of Potch, didn't attack for Mourinho. So it's like, until we get rid of a large group of this squad, I really don't think it matters if Nuno's in or Nuno's out, who are you going to bring in? It's going to get these guys to go forwards. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a great point, Lucas. One, it's one I usually make too. You know, it's one thing to say Nuno out, but who are you going to bring in that's going to fix it? And you know, at this point, I mean, at this point, I think Nuno out after six games is ridiculous. And and just to illustrate that point, I'll point everybody that's listening to us last year. After what ten matches, we were top of the league. Okay, so that just goes to show you right there how even a longer stretch can be completely deceiving. Right? We were never, never in the conversation to contend for the league last year or finish top four. We just were not good enough yet after 10 games there we were. So, you know, calm down. I, I know it's ugly. I know we all want to hyperventilate. I'm worried. I'm not saying I'm not worried, but you cannot draw any conclusions with this. You know, I know six games seems like a, a large data set. It's not. Okay. So we've got to give him some time. And even if we didn't want to give him time, like Lucas said, who are we going to get this any better? Are we going to bring Ryan Mason back? Of course not. So, um, you know, just I get it. I understand why people, you know, say that. But to do so now is literally just, pun- you know, punching ourselves in the gut again for no reason. 
And Anthony, before I, I kind of pass the baton here, I just want to follow up with what you said about the people posting those stupid ass images. All right. If you are an adult human being and you put something like that on social media, grow up. OK, just seriously. It's embarrassing um, that people will go to those links. You know, even if you're a kid, you know, get your shit together. It's it's just laughable. Um, so and I just want to make sure I get the social media is not real. So if you're a real person putting that shit up, you know, in earnest, you're part of the problem. Stop being part of the problem. That, that's all. So I, I agree with that. Thank you so much. But Mike, uh, you want to respond in general? Yeah. So I want to clarify what I meant by that uh, first nail in the coffin. I think, it, you know, I think this is I, I think Nuno wants to be a long term manager. As first, I think this is a big chance for him, and I think he wants to seize it. And I don't think long term he's going to be the answer for us. But um, I will say that you know he's getting it wrong um, on the field, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is always going to get it wrong. I think what he's trying to do is the same thing he was trying to do at Wolves um, his third season, which is he's trying a new formation, he's trying to um, play more attacking football, he's trying to do. Uh, something different than what he's done for a long period of time. And I think he just, I think if he goes back to what he's used to, what he knows, what he can train the players, which, you know, for Wolves, it was a back three. And I, I don't see why we couldn't do a back three ourselves, um, you know, with wing backs forward. And, you know, because counterattacks, like the one they had yesterday, is different with the back three. I don't know if you saw how di- uh, spaced out Sanchez and Dyer were. I think if we have a back three, it's a different situation. And, you know, we, we're cutting out a guy in the midfield, and he's the, the problem is he's trying to shoehorn players because it's, I think it's coming from the top, which is really sad to say this, but I think Levy and I think Paratici are both saying, hey, can we get the best out of Ndombele? Can we get the best out of Deli Alley? Can you make them work in this team? And he's trying to do a formation that works for them, and I think he needs to stop trying to fit them in and make them fit his system, you know? And if he can get them to work in a, in a, in a, you know, in a, in a five back, the way he's been playing for a long time in a different kind of position, that would serve him better. I think we'll get better performances overall throughout if he just does that, you know, but. No, and I think Mike, uh, that you transitioned us perfectly into the Arsenal match. Uh, and we are seeing the, 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 this gap in space, the formation issues. And one of the questions that we have as we transition into the Arsenal match um, came from uh, our own Peter at the pub. He, he, uh, Peter asks us, uh, post-game Nuno all but admitted his lineup and tactics were wrong and even appeared to a bit rattled. Uh, Mourinho had a similar epiphany after a draw loss with West Ham last season and freaked out. Uh, Will this be Nuno's watershed moment, and how will he react? Uh, um, And you're you're right. Like, it was – we we saw this lineup come out. It was uh, – I think it was – I was mixed on it at the time, but at the same time, like, I don't know if like trying to fit Delhi in, like uh, in with, with Ndombele makes sense in a midfield situation. Uh, Lucas, I think you had your hand up first and then we'll go to Rick. Yeah. I think when he's talking about that moment, like with uh, Mourinho after West Ham, everyone liked to think that Mourinho wanted us to park the bus and he came to Spurs to play old school Mourinho ball. And he didn't. 
those first couple games, we actually gave it like we were going after teams and we were scoring a lot of goals. But that West Ham game kind of spooked him because it showed without us having a proper midfield, how exposed our defense, our defensive players actually can be. And since after that was when you saw us start to get a goal and then pull back and try and protect the lead. So he kind of he kind of got spooked by that result. And I think Nuno's in a tough spot here because every Spurs fan will be the first to tell you we want to see attacking football. But things haven't changed. We're still the same team, basically. So all of us and those first three games, we got three wins and one nil performances that involved Winks and Hoybeer setting up to defend, basically, and protect the back line. And it worked. Is it always going to work? Is it sustainable? Is it sexy? No. So we're saying, oh, we want to play more attacking football. And then, so now Nuno's kind of switched things around a little bit, and he's been forced to with injuries and COVID and stuff. But now we're in a situation where, what did we think was going to happen? We still don't have a midfield. Look at how quickly Arsenal was able to get the ball in our half when we would, or like when we would lose the ball in the final third, it's within five seconds. They're in our box with numbers. We have no one that can break up the player in the midfield, and it's it's the same thing we saw last year. Let's have Rick yep. respond to that. Yep. So uh, I, I just I guess I wanted to point out I, I saw Nuno's comments and I think I read them a little bit differently than maybe Peter categorized them there. I, the way I read what he said was that we had a game plan and we chose the players to execute that game plan, and then some of the players did not really follow the game plan. They started to freelance. So I think he definitely admitted that he got, you know, the, the lineup and the tactics wrong in that sense. But, uh, you know, I think when we think of those, we think of those as two separate things. And I kind of read his comments as them being more intertwined, you know, the lineup that he, that he expected to do that didn't do it. So, and we'll, I'm, I'm sure a little bit down the line, we'll get into, you know, who needs to go, right? Yeah, I think we've all got a few people in mind that, that maybe cool. it, it's time. Yeah. Um, and, and then just to actually directly answer Peter's question, was this a watershed moment for him? I, I think so. When I like saw those comments and I understand why he kind of thought that he seemed a little rattled, but I, I think this is a moment where he, you know, this is a real rock bottom moment. And I think he realizes that. And I think we're going to see something different. After this, I think he knows what we're doing is not working. And, and, you know, regardless of results, it's time to try something else. So yeah, what, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, and, and I really do. I, I'm not kidding. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to think that I'm like behind the, the scenes and, and understand what's going on. I really think that the message was passed to him that he needs to fit these players in. And I, they're not working. You know, with Mourinho, he quickly was like, Delhi, you need to learn how to play it on the position or you're not getting any game time for me at all, you know, because this attacking midfield position, and this is just going in the broader football sense, is gone. No one plays that position anymore. Only There's only a select few players that are allowed to play that position. Bruno Fernandes is one of them. Um, but most of most players aren't allowed to play that position anymore because it's they, the team suffers so much defensively. If you look at Chelsea, Kovacic, there's a lot of time where he wasn't playing because he's more of an attacking midfield, and he had to learn that defensive side of the field and how to hold position. And Havertz, who's an attacking midfielder, came from Leverkusen as an attacking midfielder, had to learn how to play striker in one of those forward roles. So Delhi is going to need to learn how to play one of these two roles, and then Nombele is going to have to learn how to play one of these two roles. Either you work harder on your defensive side of the game and how to how to structure, or you work harder on your attacking side of the game and you play forward, or you just don't play at all. And that's the 
that's what Mourinho was trying to get into Deli Alley. A lot of people give um, a lot of hate to Mourinho for that, but I think it made Deli a better person. Mourinho couldn't drop Sunner Kane, you know? He couldn't drop Sunner Kane because he would look insane. That's how good they are. Deli is not on that same level, and, and he needs to get to that same level. He's capable of, of, of putting the work in in the offensive side, but he needs to pick a position and get to that position. I think long-term, I don't know how, how we looked so much better when Skip came on. You know, when Skip came into the midfield in the second half, we looked so much better. And I think long-term, he... I think Nuno understands that. He says, I think he understood that when he brought on Skip, the game changed for us. We weren't looking so, um, you know, ragged at the back. Um, and we were holding possession better. We had a guy who was literally spraying out passes to our left and right back. And a lot of people say it's about passion. It's about character. We have a lot of leaders on the field. This is it, This really bothers me. And I'm kind of going on a tangent. I'm sorry. But this really bothers me when players, when people say that we don't have leaders on our team. That's not true. I saw Sonny, there was a video of him saying, come on, let's, let's, let's get, after he scored his goal, saying, come on, let's get to this. Uh, Kane has led for England. Um, you know, Dyer's even been a leader, as a vocal leader. I would literally run through a brick wall for, uh, for Hoyerberg. Um, you know, Loris is a leader. We have leaders on the team. It's not about leadership, you know, and it's not about lack of, of effort. It has to be, you know, who can play that position and not trying to fit players in that, that haven't learned it. I'm, 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 I'm going to disagree with you on here. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to disagree with you, Mike, on the effort thing. I mean, honestly, that first half, you know, I'm not going to say it's every player, but there was way too much jogging around out there. We were down 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, jogging around. Um, players, you know, trying to get up the field and attack. And, you know, I I don't want to go off on a, on a deli tangent, but I think we all need to get comfortable with the idea that he's never going to be who we wanted him to be. Okay? He's just not. I don't think he cares enough to be that good of a player. I think he's rich and famous and he likes to have fun. Um, and that's, you know, that it, what what's happening is working for him. And I just don't see him ever getting back to what we thought he was going to be. There were multiple plays where he got the ball taken off him or, or there was a turnover and, you know, he just turned around, started jogging back. Um, and even when that doesn't cost you a goal, I mean, it just shows you the, the effort level. So to, to succeed, you need three things. All right. You need talent. You need a good plan, and you need effort. And I'm sorry, the, the effort was not there yesterday, and it's been very sporadic in a lot of our games, I think. And that's part of what I, that's how I think you have to start attacking this problem, regardless of what it means tactically or situationally or, or positionally. you got to get people in there that are going to run through a goddamn wall for you, that are going to go and bust it for 90, even if they're not the best players. And you got to make the, the other people earn it. And I know that's kind of regressive high school level shit, but that's where we are. You know, that's how down to the studs we got to rip this thing. So I think this is probably a good place to pass off to Lucas because, like, I, I think Lucas, like, having the right player for the right job is uh, kind of your bag, isn't it? Uh, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and again, I got to kind of agree with Rick on this one. In that first half, other than Lucas Mora, who can you look at and say, wow, I was really pleased with his effort in that first half? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that was pretty much it. Other And again, how much can you hold Nuno responsible other than going out there with a cattle prod? What else was he supposed to do to get those guys to go play? I mean, this is a game that a lot of these players know. This isn't like the first time these players are playing Arsenal. 
it's Arsenal away in their ground, or you have our fans back for the first time for some of these players. Like, you know how yeah. important this game means. How are you not up for this? How are you not yeah. ready to run? If you through can't a get up for it. Just to interrupt real fast, yeah. like I think nine players have been around since like 2018 or something like that. Yeah, like, they know what this game is. Like Harry Kane, you're the all-time leading goal scorer in the North London Derby, and he looked like he couldn't have given two shits yesterday until about the 80th minute when all of a sudden we start bombing forward and then he's like oh yeah maybe i'll try and get involved a bit but i mean there the effort to me is and and again yeah there is some leadership but it, it can't be this sporadic it can't be oh some games we get like again son getting guys forward after he scored that goal that's pretty easy to do when you're down three and it's you get a goal in the 80th minute like we needed that energy come on let's get forward in the fifth minute in the 10th minute in the 15th minute we can't have it in the 80th when we're down three because, yes, I agree that Skip did change the game when he came on. But how much of that was Skip and how much of that was Arsenal saying, we're up by three, we're going to start letting you guys have the ball a little bit in the midfield. If they really wanted to, I don't think we have as much possession as we would have. If it was a 1-0 game and we brought on Skip, I think we're still seeing our midfield be ghosts. But, yeah, that the effort, like Rick had mentioned, with the jogging around, I mean, it was just – Again, I can't say anything other than how can you not get up for this game? How can you not be buzzing for this game? I just didn't see the effort there from 90% of those players. And maybe to a certain point, we have to start with uh, Skip and Hoybier, like well, in the, the midfield and, and, the, and then go to the more uh, creative attacking options that don't want to defend later on. See, there lies, Anthony, later. there lies the problem because that's what we did. And it was like, oh, it wasn't sexy enough. It wasn't going, we weren't going forward enough, but it was in a sense, it, it didn't expose, like, are we all shocked that Dyer and Sanchez were shit? No, we knew that they're shit just because they played amazing in those first three games because they had a midfield protecting them doesn't change the fact that they're not good center backs. So, I mean, we just took away their shield and then they get skinned and we're like, oh my God, they played so bad yesterday. Well, of course they did. What did we think was going to happen? So we can't have it either way. We got to have, we have to find, and again, this is going to take multiple transfer windows and Rick had mentioned ripping this thing apart. Like we can't keep trying to patch band-aids for bullet wounds here and expect a lot to change. We got to have, if it's going to come from anywhere, it's got to have the talent is there attacking, but the effort's not. How do you have guys like Son and Kane not getting any shots on goal against this shitty defense like Arsenal? These guys, you got to be, if you're an attacking player, you got to be hungrier than hell. When you see that game and you see that defense back there, you should be salivating. Instead, it looked like they couldn't have given a shit. Well, and how were we not using certain players like Ramiro in this match? Like you bring in the uh, Syria. Uh, defender of the year and how are we not using him in the, the match against Arsenal a guy who actually can do some movement with the ball like it, it just it, there there were some decisions like it, it clearly like there's some Nuno blame but yeah the players just didn't seem up for it I agree with you guys but I want to go to a, a que- another question that we have next and that comes from Jeremy Cohen and uh, it's at ice cream cone on uh, Twitter um, regarding Arsenal. We were shit and there's no getting around that. That being said, if the obvious pen on uh, Kane was called, would it have changed the momentum? If Sun had still scored, it would have been a uh, one goal difference with at least uh, 10 minutes to push for an equalizer. I mean, I like his alternate reality here, but what do you guys think is, uh, uh, is yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I don't follow this, you know, 
this whole sort of, you know, if he had gotten that pen and scored, it'd be 3-2. I mean, that would have changed the match in and of itself right there, and there's a whole butterfly effect around that. So we were outclassed. We lost. Not getting that pen didn't make a difference. I'm the first one in the world to say Craig Pawson absolutely sucks, okay? And he does not call games equally, right? Like, Xhaka was killing people out there, and then Skip comes on in his first hard tackle, and he's on a yellow already, right? So... I, I, you know, it wasn't because we had a shitty referee, although he most certainly is. And it wasn't because we didn't get the calls or we, we were going to get throttled yesterday regardless. So would the scoreline have been a little different? Sure. But uh, I wouldn't waste too much time worrying about that. I think Mike's next. Yeah, and I, I think we were caught up so high up the field. And that was the worst part about was the so we were pressing, which is a good thing. You know, you want to be pressing. But it wasn't an organized press. And the, the yeah. this distance between our last midfielder, which in this case was Huyberg, pushing all the way up, trying to get the ball off Chaka, to, um, you know, our center backs was like, you know, we're talking 40, 50 yards, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I think, yes, Huyberg, like, gets the ball off Chaka, Chaka fouls him, right? And we could have called that call, and that would have stopped their, their, their counterattack right then and there, and then they scored a goal. That was the second goal they scored, which that was tough to see. Um, and then the Kane losing the ball, going all the way back, uh, you know, sliding to stop Saka. The ball falls right back to him. He shoots and he scores. So there's a lot of ifs and, and maybes, but at the end of the day, I, I think um, we can't, you know, we can't um, we can't rely on things that didn't happen, you know. Um, you know, had we scored in the first half against Chelsea, do you think that would be a different game? It's a lot of what ifs, you know what I'm saying? I, I think we needed to be more solid throughout the game, and we weren't. We were, we were open. They were playing through our press very easily. And, uh, yeah, go ahead, Lucas. I, I think that to answer the question, no, I don't think the Kane penalty would have really changed that much. Because, um, again, as Rick had mentioned, the butterfly thing, that – the butterfly effect thing. It's, it's very true. I think if we do get that goal in that moment, then I think Arsenal tightens up a little bit more. And I don't think we, we might not even see that sun second or that sun goal. Um, but one thing I will say that drives me a little bit crazy is what is VAR for? I mean, if, if they, if the refs had taken, if they had called the call down and VAR said, Hey, we want you to take a look at this. We think you missed this. He takes a look at it. He says, no, I don't think it's a pen. I'll live with that. But how did they not even, like, to not look at that is what really drove me crazy. Because I'm like, from every angle they showed, it looked like it was a pen. So I'm like, I, I was just kind of confused because I'm like, how many times have we seen that, like, little ticky-tack yeah. stuff get called? And so to not even look at it is what yeah. bothers well, me. But I, I don't think it matters in the grand scheme. They were yeah. a better team by a mile. So Yeah, they, they probably, like, and, looked and, at it back in the office right Lucas and just didn't see enough to warrant stopping play and, and having him look at it and I get that the the standard has gone out this year they want to let him play you know and I, I like that and even though maybe it hurts you sometimes like this it, uh, that's how yeah. I would prefer it so yeah I, I, I saw it and I, I don't know it, you know if, it's, and, and if that's thing, Ronaldo though, and Man United in the 93rd minute yeah. sure that's a pen stone cold but uh, us down three um, nah, you know, no, and it, it wouldn't have really done anything about the outcome. So, and yeah. And if, if the fact is, if it's three nil and we're sitting here bitching about a potential penalty call, there are much, much deeper problems than refereeing yesterday. Yeah. Well, and e even if this match ended uh, two, three, 
Like, and, and we had gotten that penalty and Sunday had still gotten the goal. Like, I still think it would have been a shit performance. It, it, we just yeah. would have gotten, like, lucky on a penalty because it wasn't like Kane was going to score in that opportunity. He just happened to be in the box moving out of it when that penalty happened. So, yeah, I understand the point, but, like, uh, but we need to show more on the attack regardless. Um, um, I want to go to one more question for this match before we kind of do MVP, LVP, and that uh, comes from uh, Jeff Reina on Facebook, and he asks, are several Spurs players actually dead and no one, including themselves, realized that yet? Uh, this would explain their slowness, slowness in movement and thought. Um, and I do think we saw a lot of slowness and movement and thought in this match. And and I don't know if that was the the, the spacing that Mike pointed out earlier, that it, it wasn't the right setup. We weren't, especially in defense, we weren't compact enough. Um, but it was certainly slowness and thought, like when we had to, somebody had to step up and defend, a, defend the goal at a certain point and uh, mark their man. Uh, there, what do you guys think on this? Uh, was there some slowness and thought here? Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go first, Anthony. I, I think there has been for a long period of time now, you know, the one recurring thing, I think going back to Mourinho and even the old days of poach, you know, when we just weren't pressing as aggressively was that what made us such a killer outfit back then is, you know, we were going to come, we were going to get India, we were going to take the ball off you. And then boom, we were going to hit you before you knew what to do. Right. And now, you know, a, we don't really succeed on the press very often, but even when we do or when we recover the ball in the middle of the pitch, you know, it's like three or four. How many times on Sunday did you see like in Dombele and, and other folks like just ping, 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 like ping, you know, pinball the ball back and forth to each other three or four times. I saw that it had to be a half a dozen times between, you know, various players. And you know that's all a waste of time. Anytime that you're going backwards or sideways, you're not going forward. And, you know, especially when you recover the ball or you force a turnover, man, you got to go, 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 go forward or just clip it long and hope Harry or Sonny runs on the end of it, you know, but, but stop with the backwards and the sideways passing, because as soon as the defense gets back and gets set, we're dead. We, you know, we've, we've demonstrated for the last year, we don't know how to break that down. So we've got to be, you know, to, to borrow a basketball term, we got to be a fast break team, force the turnover, go on the break. That that's the only way we are going to score consistently. In, in my opinion. So uh, Mike, yeah, and it's worrisome, um, our ability to sustain attacks, our ability to start attacks. I think our center backs get the ball way too much. And Dyer and Sanchez on the ball are not good. Like, Sanchez gives me a heart attack every time he, like, is trying to make a pass, every time he's trying to make a ball, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, get past the player. It's just, it terrifies me, you know. And then um, when they're not on the ball, then it's Lloris, and then Lloris his distribution is not very good. That's the one thing he's been bad at his whole career, and he's never going to get good at. Um, and so it's just, for me, it, it's just, it's tough because this is where I'm, what I'm talking about with, with, uh, with the whole changing of the system. I don't, I'm not sure. This is what, this is what I'm worried about the most is the ability to, to start an attack, um, you know, with a team that we need to break down. I don't see it, you know, um, unless Kane goes deep, plays it out wide and we get a cross in, like, I don't see how we can, uh, we, we're just not playing through – we're not playing through teams. We're not really like – the ball is moving back to our center backs way too often. And the only person that's like really progressing the ball um, is Reguillon on the left. And that's like scary because he's our only out at the moment to – you know, that's 
all of our joy comes down the left. Thanks to Reggion. Thanks to Sonny, who can hold it um, yeah. a little bit longer. And Lucas will go into midfield and try to get past two or three players. And we love that. You know, that's something that's great. But when you get past two or three players, guess what? There's still five more players because you're in midfield. If you were in the attacking third and then you were trying to get past two or three players, then now you have a shot on goal. Now you have a cross to Kane, and now we have a different situation. And, you know, Ndombele is supposed to be that guy. Ndombele is supposed to be the guy that helps us get past this, this situation, which is progressing the ball. And I don't know about you guys, but from minute one of that game, Ndombele and Dele Alli looked exhausted. I don't know where that came mm-hmm. from. They looked exhausted. From minute one, I, like, I was like, I understand they played Wolves midweek, um, but they looked exhausted from minute one. Like, Ndombele was not, I don't know if it, we say checked out, but he looked like so slow and was dribbling so slow and he lost the ball a couple of times and his confidence is not there and he's just out of breath from the very beginning. So that was worrisome too. Let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, the Ndombele point, and you know I'm the first one to, I love throwing him under the bus. But um, if, if you watched yesterday, how many times was it where we would get the ball, Arsenal would have players behind the ball, and this was before the game became a route. Like, this was in the first half. You would see him. He'd have the ball in, like, the midfield. We'd be kind of on the edge of the attacking third. And Arsenal had players behind the ball. And this is the moment where it's like, okay, you're the guy now that needs to go drive the ball into space and try and create something. And instead, he would just pass it over to Mora, and Mora would do it. He was like, I'm not going to run forward. So he made Lucas do it. And Lucas would run past three players and get fouled and create a chance. It's that simple. It's like all – it wasn't like Lucas had any – trick up his sleeve or made somebody miss with some nutmeg or crazy move. He literally just ran at them, tried to get past them, and they had to follow him because he's fast. It was that simple. It wasn't rocket science. It was just challenging them. And it created opportunities. And it's like, in Dombley, how can you not, at this point, realize that you're the guy that we bought to do that? That's why you get 200 k a week is to drive the ball at these defenders. You're supposed to be the, like, that's supposed to be your literal job. And I, I don't get how, no. at this point, he still refuses to do it. And and Mike made a great point, too. It's If Lucas does get by those guys, then you just he's sitting at the back line and no one else is doing anything. So the, is the only plan him trying to get through eight people? What's he supposed to do? We're lucky he got fouled in a bunch of those situations because if he didn't, he was just going to run into a wall of other defenders, and that would have been that. Quick yeah. response from Rick, and then we go to MVP. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to kind of summarize what both of these guys just said, which is, you know, I think we're, we all got pretty spoiled with what we had, right? Like in the past, when we play it back, you've got Toby Alderweireld and Jan Bertangen back there, two guys that were great at those long diagonals. So if you're not getting through them, then you go over them. And, and, you know, that would tend to work out. We had a lot of players that were much better at going through them. Like, you know, we, we've all, you know, beaten the Musa Dembele, you know, thing and how much we miss him to death, but, you know, we had players that, you know, could take the ball, like Lucas just said, and kind of make a few guys miss and create a little chaos and unsettle the defense. So that created opportunities for us. And we just don't have that anymore. And the only thing, like I feel, and, and Anthony, we'll probably get into this when we start talking, like, well, how do we fix this, right? But the only thing we've got left is to go around them. And that's why I think, you know, the back three with the wing backs and, and trying to go around folks is we can't do the other two things. So let's try that, okay? And maybe that doesn't work either, but at least – we're not trying to do the same failed things over and over. So yeah, that's just great points by both of these guys. And I think it all ties together into the theme of our inability to create and the slowness that we're playing with. Well, and to your point, that's a great way to wrap up this Arsenal conversation because that, that three at the back is what 
Uh, like if we're not going to be Nuno out, and I certainly don't think we're firing him yet. Like we can talk if he loses to Villa and loses to maybe to Murrow midweek. Like maybe things will be different in like another couple weeks. But um, w- w- he's not out, but he was successful with the three at the back <laughs> at times, and yeah. and, and, and I that think seems, he has the personnel yeah. that we can make it work. Yeah, if the right person, if the right coach comes in and makes it work. And yeah, uh, we I think we have the exact personnel to make that work. You know, but you got to try it more than once. You know, in yeah. what our our first twelve games of the season. So yeah, yeah, but but great great conversation all around there, and I wish we could talk for two hours just about this Arsenal match as as devastating as it was. But we have to go to MVP, LVP here. And I'm going to start with Lucas first for MVP. Do you have an MVP for this match? Like, any, any I, yeah, stand? I do. Um, you've heard me rave about him the whole half so far. It's, it's for me, it's Lucas Mora. Um, is it perfect? No, but at a time when we have players that just refuse to go forward and refuse to try and take on players, he's the only one that does it. I mean, if he if he played alongside, if I always wonder what Mora would look like if he was playing alongside guys that actually wanted to make runs with him and create stuff with him. Because I mean, yesterday it seemed like from the first minute he was the only one that was up for it and wanted to go actually try and score. So, in an ugly, ugly game, um, he was the one of the few bright spots for me. So he was my MVP. But I would like to give a shout out to Hill too when he came on. He had the exact same mentality that Lucas did, and it was. Unfortunately, it was three 0 at that point. Yeah, and we haven't talked about Brian Hill yet, but like I, I agree with you there, Lucas. Like I, I think like he he was a game changer, and I think he needs to earn more. Like Nuno needs to give him more minutes at this. point. Oh, I think he has earned it at this point. I mean, what else yeah. is that kid supposed to do to get on the field? Yeah, I mean he's uh, he needs to he needs to play at this point because he's raw still, but like he he's got more will and talent than a lot of the players out there. Let's go to Rick next for MVP. Yeah, you know this is a uh, you know <laughs> slim pickings, right? This is like looking for groceries when there's a hurricane coming at this point. Um, we'll give it to Skip. <laughs> you know, it, as was mentioned when when he came on, it really solidified things. I know I do think that our you know we actually looked like we had more of a presence there. He was putting in tackles i think in the first few minutes like he made more tackles and and took on more attackers than our entire team did combined in the in the first half so um you know it's a it's not a high bar to clear but you know he stood out to me uh i guess as somebody who doesn't deserve to be profoundly criticized okay uh, i like that uh mike who do you have yeah that was for me it was skip as well um i thought yeah the, the fact that he was the first one to get a yellow card as a sub, you know, we're down three nil is a, you know, it's a telling sign, but um, I will give just a quick shout out to um, Loris, who just, again, is just, um, you know, having to do so much for us. And um, you know, what actually impresses me the most about him is his interviews. Actually, I'm not even kidding. Like he, he's one of the ones that could literally complete. He he's, I think allowed even more than Kane is to complain and moan about how bad our defense has been the last year and a half. And he never he never complains. He's always getting us out of tough situations. So shout out to Luis. I, I love him. Okay. Uh I, I'm gonna give it to Brian Hill. I, I, I thought like he was a difference maker. He really led to the build up to actually to our one goal. Like uh, and um I wanna see more of him just because everybody else felt like such shit to me. 
I mean, I guess Sun had the goal, but I don't think he looked that great otherwise. I'm going to give it to uh, Brian Hill. Uh, uh, but good conversation there. Let's go to LVP next, um, and we'll start back at Lucas again. Yeah, I mean, now this is the million-dollar question, isn't it? I mean, I could I could think of a half a dozen guys that I would love to pick for this right now. I thought Delhi was useless and Dombele was useless. Tanganga was useless. He got skinned all day. Regulon was useless. Dyer and Sanchez coin flip there. Um, but I'm actually mine's kind of a tie between Dyer. I couldn't decide whether I wanted to say Dyer or Kane. Um, these are two guys that have been here since. I mean, Kane's been here for forever. Dyer's been here since 2015. These guys specifically are the leaders that need to step up in a North London derby. These two guys know exactly what that game meant, and for Dyer to come out and just be absolutely useless and cost us those goals, being out of position, not knowing who he's supposed to mark. I mean, it was brutal to watch. And then Kane, the exact, on the other end of the pitch, just jogging around, not trying to push. God, it was just the missed chances. Like, I mean, that's a guy, Kane, you're the guy we need right now, man. Like, if anyone's going to, that header he had off the corner, I think it was, that he had the header that went wide, uh, missed that opportunity when he got played through. Like, he was just, he and Dyer, for me, were the co-LBPs because of, again, just, those were the two guys we needed to step up in a game like that. And they both let us down. Yeah. Hi, I hear you there, uh, Rick. Uh, you know, I don't even know if he was the LVP of, of yesterday's match precisely, but I'm just going to, I'm going to give it to Delhi because I'm just, I'm sick of watching him hold on to the ball for too long. I'm sick of him making the wrong decisions. I'm sick of him not hustling to get back when he makes a mistake that is leading to a counterattack. I don't even know if one of those mistakes yesterday even cost it, like was one of their actual goals, but I don't, I don't even care. I just, I I really, really wanted to think that this was going to be another chance for him to resurrect himself and turn into the guy we've always wanted him to be. And I I just can't, I I just don't have any more um, patience for, for waiting to see that. I think the only way he is ever going to recover is if he, moves on to another situation. So um, I'm just going to give him an honorary LVP, even though uh, it could go to basically anybody. Yeah. Uh, Mike. Yeah. I'm going to, so this is tough because Kane had that really poor touch, but at least he ran back and tried to stop the goal. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Dyer actually, because I'm so sick of Dyer. Honestly, I I've been sick of him for the longest. I hate seeing him play. And I hate the fact that he had such, three amazing performances before the international break because he fooled everyone when the transfer window was still open. And as soon as the transfer window closed uh, and he makes Sanchez look bad. I feel bad for Sanchez sometimes. Yes. Sanchez is not good. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give Sanchez any credit. He's not a good center back, but he's, you know, he's been playing next to somebody that's been consistently exposed. He doesn't know how to mark space. He's playing everyone on side all the time. There was that pass back from Reguillon who is, He's in front of Saka. Yes, the ball gets through his legs. That's fine. That happens, you know. Crosses like that happen all the time. The left back doesn't always stop the crosses. But I think Toby would have stopped that. Uh, everyone, it was telegraphed. It was telegraphed. Who are you marking, Dyer? There's no striker on that side of the pitch. There's a big open space. And Lloris has that that post covered. So who are you really marking? Like, you know he's going to cut it back. There's no other option for him to cut it back. I don't understand who you're marking, and that really pisses me off because I see this time and time again with Dyer. 
And it's just so frustrating to me. Yeah. And so, Anthony, I hate to break in, but I just I got to give Mike some support on that because we've all been calling it out for so long. Eric Dyer has rocks in his head and he still to this day with all of his experience doesn't understand you're marking a man, not a patch of grass. Eric Dyer marks patches of grass regardless of what's happening in them. And that costs us so many goals. And I guess the good news is if we're all agreed that it's time for Delhi and Dyer to move on, they can stay together and maybe move on together and still be besties. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I just you you're, want to you're jump so in on Mike or my LVP? Well, uh, no, I, I just I just wanted to agree with Rick because it's it's something I heard once where it's it's patches of grass and spaces don't score goals, players score goals. So you yeah. marking a certain area in the box doesn't really help us. You got to mark the guy because that's who snuck in behind you, Ashton, in front of Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, um, I definitely understand your point on Dyer, and he he was up at the top of my list, but I'm going to make more of an emotional pick, and my LVP is Harry Kane. Um, yeah, the, the the stupid giveaway that led to the goal ultimately, and I yeah, I realize everybody else's stupid defense falling apart because of it, um, but just the, the, the sheer lack of will. You're a vice captain. You know what, what it means to win a North London derby, like and you've scored in just about every North London derby that we've had that you've been in, and uh, I just didn't see much of anything from you right now. And like, if if you want to get get sold next year, like you're not going to do it by looking this terrible. Um, so I, I'm just very angry and frustrated with him as a player right now. Like I'm just not seeing enough out of him. And even though I think there was worse players on the pitch, he's my LVP. Um, but uh, we got to have a speed round of uh, talking about uh, this Carabao Cup match that happened earlier in the week uh, before we uh, pre- go to the second half. Um, so I just very quickly want to talk. So we, we had this uh, match Wolves away. We drew them in the, the Carabao Cup. Uh, um, so we, we went up two goals early in the match and then uh wouldn't you know it we can see two goals later in the match and we end up in the position where in a we're in a penalty shootout um we put Regulon on just just before and we had a fairly strong lineup already out there and i think what was frustrating about this match was like we played like we started harry kane um we started a a lot of talented players and because we gave up those two goals uh, towards the middle of the match, like we had to keep those guys on in case uh, to try and get that last goal for the win or like in case of the penalty shootout. Um, so we used up all these legs in this match is what was most frustrating to me about it. But what do you guys think on this Carabao Cup match? Uh, uh, despite we get to advance and we have a chance at a trophy still. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... That's cup play, you know, it's survive in advance. Um, and we did, I think for that first 35, 40 minutes of that game until they scored their first goal. I mean, we were on top of them and we were all over them. And the way we came out and we were bombing forward, looking hungry, looking aggressive. Um, it was really great to see. Um, I thought that first goal by Ndombele was all, Ndombele looked incredible for the first 30 minutes of that game. And then fuel major fuel meter went to empty and, he just spent the rest of his time. He, again, he gave up a goal on that corner. Just his marking on his man marking was horrific. He gave the ball away on their second goal. So, I mean, it was kind of one of those scenarios of Ndombele giveth and Ndombele taketh away. Um, his skill was so evident in the first 30 minutes, but then 
his fatigue was so evident for the rest of the game. But um, I, I definitely was pleased with the way we came out and we were mentally up for it. And that's at this point, how low we are. That's all I can ask for at this point is let me at least see that you guys care. And in this game we did. And it's good to see, cause I would definitely like to see us go. We got a, we got a favorable draw in the sense that we got Burnley um, in the next round. So if we can get by that, we're in the quarterfinals and you never know what can happen. So I was definitely pleased with the, at least it wasn't pretty, but even when they came back and they got their second goal and they tied it up, we didn't just panic and freak out and say, Oh, we got to try and hold this till penalties. We were still attacking, pressing them. And we looked the better team in the second half, even when they brought on Traore. So I think I was very pleased with the way that it didn't go perfectly. And we made a lot of mistakes, but we were up for it and we didn't let their goals freak us out. And we stayed with the game plan and we attacked and, we were rewarded for it. Let's go to Mike next. Yeah, I, I was actually really um, surprised by the lineup Nuno chose. I didn't think he was going to take it that seriously. I didn't think I wasn't going to. I thought he was going to bench Kane and and keep Son just you know healthy for for this match. Um, but he took it very seriously. The, the lineup he started was a really strong lineup, and um, you know it's it's funny because we're seeing a, a a trend here. You know, Delhi doesn't mark Thiago Silva from a corner. And Thiago Silva scores. Then Delhi has that assist against Wolves, and Dombele has a goal um, against against Wolves. And then you know Delhi has that assist for Kane. And then and Dombele doesn't mark somebody from a corner; they score. And then Dombele gets the ball in midfield, and they score. And we're seeing a, the same thing from both of these players, and um, they just need to figure it out. But hopefully, you know, hopefully they do because you know we're so light on midfield right now, and we're. we're kind of relying on them to to be good because if they're not I mean Nova is our, our number one our, our most record signing you know so he needs to work for us we're not like this is not like Chelsea where you know they could just keep oh, oh that didn't work okay let's just buy another player oh that didn't work oh okay let's just buy another player like Bernard is, didn't work for them last year they buy Lukaku and nobody's even talking about Bernard this guy is like he could have had three goals against us nobody even talks about him that's how poor he's been and it's just because they just get away with it because they just have all this money. We don't have that luxury. We have to have these players work for us. We have to keep giving them chances over and over and over. Um, but I, I'm glad we won that game. And um, hopefully we can go deep in this competition because that's the only hope we have as Spurs fans, you know, is to, to win something this year, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Rick? Yeah. I, th- I think one of the reasons the North London Derby was so disappointing to us is because we saw that match midweek and we're like, you know what, you know, there we go. We're, we're creating some chances. We're scoring some goals and, you know, we're still having problems. You know, the mistakes that we made for both of the goals we gave away were like just individual errors, right? Like there wasn't anything kind of tactically or, or plan wise wrong and, you know, and the players were giving effort. So, um, so yeah, I think that's part of why Sunday was such a letdown was Wednesday was, you know, definitely not our best or what, you know, what we would like our best to be, but, uh, but it wasn't, it seemed, it seemed to be a step in the right direction. So when you take two back on the next one, you know, it, it really kind of disappoints you. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall we kind of did our thing, right? We got out front and then we, you know, our game's like an ice cream, you know, like a, like a bowl of ice cream and, you know, you, the longer it sits out, the more it melts and, Sometimes I just worry that no matter what, we're going to we're going to concede at some point. Yeah. But uh, with that, I think we're going to go to MVP LVP on this one. Um, And let's start with uh, Mike this time for MVP. um, Brian Heal, 
I think that was a, a really good performance by him. That penalty, oh my God. I thought for sure he was going to miss. And uh, he puts the top corner. That was amazing. And uh, I thought he had a really good game. Despite, I, I don't think he was on. He, he he didn't get an assist either. But he, I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, let's go to Rick next. Yeah, I was thinking about this one, and I, as weird as it sounds, I, I nobody like stood out. I kind of want to give like a, it's kind of a cop out, but I kind of wanted to give a team MVP for this one, you know, because Andombele's goal was just beautiful, right? Just beautiful. But then, you know, his two mistakes to cost us, you, you can't give it to him. Delhi's pass to Harry for the one goal was great. You know, I just, I just kind of want to spread it around a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, uh, our, our penalty. How about? How about I give my MVP to penalty taking because we can so rarely say that at Spurs, you know, aside from Wolves for their penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. (laughs) Wolves Wolves penalty takers were our, were our MVP for that game. Good one. I like Mm -hmm. that. Luke. Lucas. Uh, Yeah. I actually kind of with work, I didn't have one player because as Mike had mentioned, we have these guys that aren't able to put together a 90 minute performance. They'll do a couple things amazing, but then have a couple key mistakes or, look good for 30 minutes and then look like a ghost for like the rest of the game. So I actually gave mine to Nuno here. Um, I think his, I think his strategy was good. I think the game plan was great. And then I think he made the right subs at the right time that kept us from sagging back and just saying, "Uh Oh, we're just going to try and play for the draw. He was still putting these attacking subs in at the, all the way to the end. And then he put the right subs in just for penalties, which I thought was brilliant bringing on, bring on like, Hey, look! If we're gonna if we're gonna take penalties, let's let the Spanish people take them because they rock at those. So he puts on Regulon and bashes it in, and it's like I, I thought Nuno played this game perfectly, so he was my MVP. Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna agree with you for the same reasons that you had. I mean, like uh, that Regulon sub, like I I wouldn't have known that he was good at penalties, but certainly Nuno must have. So uh, um, that was a key decision, and and I. Do think that he got this one right as much as we just bashed him for for Arsenal, which I think he did get mostly uh, wrong with how we started anyway, um, and how we spaced things out. Um, so yeah, let's give him the credit here. So good good shout there, Lucas. Uh, um, but um, that about wraps up this half. So the second half, we are going to um, preview the both the Conference League match against Murrah. And then we have uh, the weekend match in the league against Aston Villa uh, to preview. Um, but first, we're going to go to Luke's locks. All right, boys. Time to get some free money. Here are your free money for locks of the week. First up, we have Man United at home to Everton. We're going to take the over here at two and a half goals. Man United is coming off their goalless loss to Aston Villa, so they're going to want to bounce back in a big way with some goals against Everton. Everton themselves is always more than capable of scoring a goal or two themselves, so take the over here at two and a half. Second, we have Chelsea at home versus Southampton. We're going to go with the under here at two and a half. Chelsea is an absolute rock defensively and has let up one goal from open play, and that was against City. Um, So I don't expect Southampton to be banging any in. Um, I also don't expect a route. I don't think I think Saints are uh, sound at the back. So under two and a half is going to be the play here. Third, we're going to take Leicester on the road at Crystal Palace at minus a half goal. Uh, Leicester has only one point from their last nine potential points. So they are in need of a win in a very big way. 
so look for them to get the win away and get their season back on track against Palace. Take them at minus the half goal. Finally, we have Spurs at home against Aston Villa. We're going to take the obvious one here, which is under. Uh, Spurs have two goals from open play in our six games. So I have no idea, as we just talked about, I have no idea where these goals are going to come from. Um, but I also think we're going to shape up a little bit defensively, so I don't expect Villa to be bashing them all in. So this one's going to be probably low scoring. Take under two and a half goals in Spurs at home. That wraps that up. There's your Luke's locks of the week. There's your free money. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks so much as always, Lucas. Uh, um, I, I I think you're dead on with all those this week. I, I certainly agree. Um, oh. Um, I want to start the first, the second half. Uh, well, first off, uh, this is, just to let people know, this will probably be my last episode for the next month or so. Um, I've got I'm traveling out of town a lot. We have an international break, so I'm not going to be on hosting. But we w- will have uh, both uh, uh, Tommy and Joe doing some hosting. They've hosted in the past, so we'll still have episodes out there for you guys. Um, and we'll have Catherine's during the international break. Uh, she she's done those great segments on uh, um, uh, for supporters around the country, and uh, she's got plenty more of those recorded for us to hear. So we'll have some of those during the international break. But I just want to give you guys a heads up about that. Um, but I want to break into the second half with a uh, our final question of the night, and this comes from Indie Spurs, and Indie Spurs asks us. Assuming we're due for a massive squad overhaul through the next four to six transfer windows, that's that's two two to three years, um, what player or players under age 25 should Spurs absolutely keep uh, hold of no matter what? Uh, So we're looking at young players that we have control of now that that we should absolutely keep control of over the next uh, four to six transfer windows to the next two to three two to three years um who wants to tackle that one first uh let's go with mike yeah i mean there's some uh i think some pretty pretty obvious one i think i think skip is, is an obvious one i think uh region is, in, is another one i would keep session i know a lot of people are kind of down on him but he's only 21 years old and um I, I think he can find that form that he needs to find he's just been going through a lot of injuries I think Tanganga is another one that could that could be there for us. Brian Heal has looked bright in a lot of um, his games. Um, I think Loselso is still under twenty five. I think Ndombele is still under twenty five. I would keep both of them just because I don't think you're gonna get anyone to pay the same amount of money that we spent on them. So I would just keep them. Um, and then Emerson, I actually like Emerson a lot. I'm a big fan of him. All right, Anthony. Yeah, I, you might be on mute, but um, yeah, I, I think Mike. I think Mike, you just uh, you listed them all. I think so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I I agree. Um, Tanganga is the one that really jumps out to me. He's the guy that I feel really is just kind of everything that we look for in a young prospect. Heel looks great, but it's still kind of new with him. Skip looks great, but he's still kind of you know bedding himself down. If Tanganga can get on a run and stay healthy for a while here, he's a guy that I think really looks like it could be, you know, could emerge as a top flight uh, center back at some point. And, uh, you know, just to put in a plug for the back three formation would be perfect on the right side of a back three, by the way. So um, that's it. 
if we want to talk about the under 25s, we should get rid of that could be a little bit more interesting because you mentioned LaCelso. I understand, you know, that we still want to see him do well, but I, I don't get him at all. Like what's he supposed to be good at? Cause I haven't seen it. You know what I mean? I like, He's not somebody that's strong, you know, kind of defensively. He's not somebody that seems to be a great passer or prolific scorer. What, what is he? He's been here for a year and a half and we don't know what he is. Um, so maybe if we can get a view of that sometime this season, you know, we can figure that out. That would help. But at the moment, you know, if we're, if we're talking about like, who do we have to cut bait on? I'd much rather cut bait on him than probably any of the other young players. And Dom and Dombele's talent is so obvious. And if you could just get him to, you know, kind of be a little more astute on the ball and, and not, you know, cut down the careless turnovers. But there's a hell of a player in there. So, um, yeah. Sorry, I kind of twisted the question, but no, like I, I said, Mike, Mike I, took them all. So <laughs> I, I see what you're saying on uh, LaSalle. I mean, I think he, he's had like uh, good stretches for us, but and I also think he's been moved around position a lot and we've never gotten to see him try and carve out a position for himself. And maybe it is because he's like that Swiss Army knife of players that, that doesn't really have like that one great skill. Nobody wants to cut with that. Use that bottle opener if you have a good bottle opener. Uh, but he, he can do that bottle opener job. So that's that's where I get the Swiss Army knife uh, uh, reference. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, I'd like to see him get a chance to, like, this is your position and play it. That's the only one that we're going to expect out of you and see where that goes. But Lucas, what do you have to say? Um, I have only a few that I would that I would keep. Um, Skip definitely for me. Um, Tanganga same way. Those are two guys that um, you can definitely try and build a team around. Brian Hills an obvious one. Um, he has the right mentality and skill set. Um, and then another weird one for me is Bergvine. Um, that's a guy is right now that he can do multiple roles. He can be that guy in the big games that we need to be a more defensive guy. He's also instrumental in our counterattacks. Um, if he could just figure out how to actually finish, um, which I've never seen somebody come closer to scoring more goals than him, but um, I would keep him around as well. Guys, I would let go. I'm with Rick. I, I'm going to say I'm letting the Celso go. Um, he's been here for a couple of years now, and he's played less than 10 games for 90 minutes for us in the Premier League, which is a massive problem. Um, Regulon to me, he can go. Um, I don't think there's no way I can say that that's the left back that I want to build my team around. The guy's a defensive liability and your number one job is to be a defender. He can carry the ball forward, which is nice to see because no one else seems to want to do it right now. But when he does, it's not like he plays in a good ball or actually makes a run at a defender. He's I've seen Ben Davis put in more actual good crosses than he has, which is a massive problem because Ben Davis sucks at crossing. Um, in Dombele, I can, I've seen enough. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of guys just, like I said, Skip Tanganga, Hill and Bergvine are the only four that I would keep out of the young guys that I definitely would want to either give them a chance or try and build my team around. Before Mike jumps in here, I just want to mention Sar. Um, we haven't seen him yet. And obviously we don't know if we're, he's somebody that we're going to want to hold on to, but like, he's a player that I want to give a chance to like, uh, he, he's, uh, he's on loan until next year, but like I think that was a smart purchase, like a player with uh, some significant talent, and he could be a young player that we we might want to see in the squad within the next uh, few windows. But um, it's tough to predict at this point in time. Uh, um, uh, Mike, yeah, um, for me, I, I, there's only one player that like 
I really don't like that's under 25. It's it's a uh, Winks. Actually, I think he is 25. I don't know if that counts then. <laughs> but he, I, I I'm I'm done with Winks. I I can't. I feel like whenever he starts a game, that we're gonna lose. And I, I don't know why. I, I just have a negative. I don't ever see a lineup and get negative until I see Winks on the lineup. Him and Dyer, but Dyer less so because you know there's a whole makeup of a defense and he can get protected. But yeah, uh, yeah. you know Winks is definitely one I would I would uh, get rid of as soon as possible. We yeah. even mentioned though our our fifty mile our fifty million pound signing Romero, who's under twenty five. Um, we could build an entire defense around him. I think he's very good. I and I wasn't even thinking of him as under twenty five, but he certainly yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just we haven't had a chance to see him that much yet, right? Yeah. So it's hard to even have an opinion of him. It's easy. It's hard to even remember he's on our team sometimes. But yeah, yeah we, Mike, I, 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 I yeah, I, I think your winks. Uh, I think your winks take is shared by just about everybody at this point. I think yeah. a lot of people were because he's young and English, and you know, kind of it'd be nice story. He's homegrown. It would have been great, and I think he got every opportunity, but. When I talked earlier about, you know, what is Giovanni LaCelso, at least you can see something there, right? Like Harry Winks is just like a orange, you know, training cone that became a real boy through magic. You know, he just he doesn't offer anything. He just, you know, a constant sideways and backwards passing. The occasional, you know, we, we all remember, you know, the the great European night that he had against Real, you know, and if he could do that more than once a year, we'd be on to something. But you know, there's just no there there with him. So yeah, it's time to time to let him move to one of the Norwiches of the world and uh, you know find his role there. Quick response yeah. from Mike, and then we yeah. uh, move on. Yeah, Winks. I mean, God, he, he fell off cliff after that Real game. I think it got maybe it got to his head. I don't know, but you know, he's never really had the athleticism, so he's had to build um, through his passing. But his passing has gotten worse which is crazy to think about. It's gotten a lot worse. His ability, I mean, his accuracy is good, but he doesn't make forward passes anymore. He just, he plays it safe, and he can't make a tackle in midfield. He's a liability there. Um, I just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, you're. I think we. I think we touched it all, and you know, you're. You're right. He just. He doesn't try to move the ball forward. He seems to be a guy that's just scared of making a mistake. So the best you can hope for when he's out there is that he doesn't hurt you, but he's never going to help you. You know, and that can be a valuable thing to have in the squad. But you know, just any hope that he's going to be a, a part of the core of this team going forward, no. it, it's not going to happen. If he wants yeah. to take that role, he can stay. But you know, I'm, I'm guessing he wants to play more, and you know. Welcome to, uh, you know, Millwall, you know, yeah, I'm sure you'll do fine there. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's helping out our homegrown, homegrown, homegrown count. But what really bothered me, this is kind of like a little off the, the topic here, but it was the, the hurry to get rid of Sissoko and Aurier. I think Sissoko is a much better player than Winks, way better. I would rather keep Sissoko than Winks, even though he's making more money. And then Aurier, I think he's so much better than Doherty. I think Doherty is so bad. I think he's awful. And I know he's not under 25. It's off topic. But I, I really wish we would have kept those two players instead of Winks and uh, Doherty. <laughs> no, well, good conversations there all around. But we have to move the conversation along. We have two matches to preview. And we're going to start with this midweek conference league against Murrah. Or Murrah. Um, th- so uh, this is Thursday, 
September 30th. Uh, it's 2 p.m. here in Chicago uh, when that kicks off. Um, currently, they sit in fifth place in the Slovenian uh, PRVA Liga with 16 points. That's five wins, one draw, and four losses. They uh, most recently drew uh, uh, Copper at home, um, which is a team that we may have seen out there once in a while. Uh, they drew their previous match prior to that, uh, won the one prior to that. They lost in the Conference League to Vitesse prior to that, and they... Uh, um, uh, be uh, uh, another team prior to that. I'm not even gonna get try and pronounce these names, and <laughs> the teams are gonna mean nothing to us about the victories or losses anyway. Uh, they do have a match on Sunday, October 3rd, uh, following this. Um, they, um, they, their top goal scorer is uh, Kai Seapot with three and um. Mitsja Lutrik with two is behind him. Uh, we have no previous experience against this uh, uh, Slovenian side, so this will be the first time that we face them. Uh, what do you guys uh, expect with this match? Is this, this one that we should uh, be able to, uh, to at home uh, steamroll? I, I sure hope so. I don't. I don't think any of us know anything about about any of this team, right? Like. I don't even think I can come up with any kind of semi-intelligent take on this. They're, what do you say, the fifth place team in the Slovenian fifth, league? The fifth place team in fifth the place, Slovenian Fifth place, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, curb stomp these guys, you know. And I don't know if we will the way we're playing, but, you know, you cannot even, even if you're playing your youngsters, you cannot come out and, and you know, go toe-to-toe with the fifth place team in the Slovenian league. It just can't happen. Um, so, we better we better pull it off. We better uh, we better win big, Lucas. Yeah, my uh, my hope for this one is that we do see a lot of rotation. Um, I think we need some of our uh, regular starters need a break. Um, I think that this is a team, like I said, or like Rick had my fifth place in Slovenia. Like this should be something you take care of. But I would like to see Nuno actually send a message with some young players and, and give them a shot and say, look, this is your opportunity. The guys that have been in here week in and week out haven't been performing. So if anyone's hungry, go prove it. Um, I think this is something that you could start a rotated squad, put a lot of starters on the bench and say, look, if it's not working by halftime, put them on and try and stomp them out, get a few goals and end it. But yeah, I would like to see the message that um, we're going to rotate a little bit and give some younger guys an opportunity here. Cause again, we're at home fifth place Slovenian team this should be something that this should be no different for a Scarlet than playing like the Watford U23s well and, and you they, have five five subs so you have yeah that exactly like you can start yeah. that weak side and then um, like if it's still not going well uh, after 60 minutes you can bring on some talented players to just put put it to bed at home and you don't have to send those guys on the the road to travel to Slovenia which it still isn't that far. I mean, we're talking like near Austria and uh, Greece. It's it's not like ho- horrendous travel, but but still, like at home, the, this is opportunity to stomp them and and take away the points. Um, so you can you can do that. You have that option. Uh, uh, Rick, you wanted to jump in? Yeah. yeah. Um, just real quick, I was thinking, yeah, why not use this as a training exercise, right? If you, if you're ever thinking of going to a back three, bust it out. You know, give it a try. This is your opportunity for training wheels against the this kind of a team with that many subs. Let let's see. Why not? 
Yeah, uh, so I, I agree with you totally. Mike, uh, do you have anything to jump in with before we uh, wrap up this uh, conversation and go to predictions? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I think, I think the system needs to change. I think um, try a back three. Why not? And, and give uh, you know give some game time to, to guys. Um, I, I really want to see Scarlett play. I want to see Alfie Devine. I've been kind of seeing him in the under-21 games on YouTube. And he looks really good. He looks. He reminds me. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but he reminds me of Erickson a little bit. The way he uh, weighs his passes, he like weighs his passes really, really well. And uh, he plays with the number ten on his back, which is awesome too. So hopefully, Alfie Devine could could be on our bench. He scored actually at the weekend, um, or today actually. I think they played today in the Premier League too. But hopefully, he gets some time as well. Yeah, great, great points there. Uh, let's go to predictions on this one, and I'll start with my prediction. I am going to um, actually predict um, a 2-0 victory, um, and I'm going to give a, a goal to Dane Scarlett, and uh, I'm going to give a goal to Alfie Devine. I, I do think that this is where, like, where we... We can start those guys, and if it goes well, we don't need to bring on the uh, substitutes and give those guys a chance, as you guys pointed out. Like uh, as Lucas pointed out, like uh, we're playing bad right now. If you if you start if you have enough hunger to get into the first team, uh, show us in a match like this, and like uh, and let let's see what people can do. So so let, let's do that. Let's go to uh, Rick next. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go 4-1 because, like I said, we really should be able to put as many as we want past these guys, even a struggling team like us. And uh, we just don't tend to do clean sheets anymore. So even against the Slovenian team. So 4-1, who who knows, you know, until we see the lineup, I I have no idea. Yeah, let's go Scarlett. Um, I I imagine Brian Heal will will get a run out. So let's get him with a tally here. Actually, let's just give two to each of them. And then I'll talk to you behind the scenes about how we should be able to choose that later in the week. I like that. Okay, um, let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i kind of with you. I don't think we'd keep a clean sheet, but I think we'd have enough to get this one done. I got 3-1 goals from Scarlett, Winks, and LaCelso. <laughs> okay, I like it, Winks. Winks A. <laughs> Because, yeah, this is what Winks does. Winks will do one little thing every once in a while that's just yeah. like, oh, hey, like I'm yeah. still relevant. But it'll, like, it'll he be drives you those... nuts for 99 times out of 100. But then once in a while, he'll pop up and be like, hey, look, I'm still here. Yeah. He'll, he'll mean it to be a cross, and it'll go in. Yeah, exactly. Right, so. Exactly. <laughs> it'll deflect off his forehead like out of nowhere when he's not looking. <laughs> Mike, uh, you're next. Yeah, um, three, I think three, one. Uh, I would say probably Los Celso, Scarlett, and um, Mora. I would say those are probably the three scores. I like that. And more, would, would Mora be coming in as a sub, do you think? I think he might start. Um, I think he might start because we're, we're really lacking on the attacking band at the moment. So I think he might have to start. Unless he wants to give one of the youngsters a try. But I think he, he'd probably start him. Okay. I could see that happening. Uh, well, well, good shots there all around. Um, but we have to one final match to, to preview before we wrap up the episode. Uh, so um, this weekend uh, we take on Aston Villa at home on Sunday, October third. That's uh, eight a.m. here in Chicago. So uh, um, um, 
slightly earlier match. Uh, currently, Villa sits in eighth place in the league ahead of us uh, with 10 points. That's uh, three wins, one draw, and two losses. Uh, most recently, they, they uh, won 1-0 uh, this past Saturday away to Man United. So that was a pretty big uh, win for them. Uh, prior that, to that, they, um, they drew but lost on penalties to Chelsea in the, the Carabao Cup. Uh, they beat Everton. Uh, they lost to Chelsea, and they drew Brentford. Um, upcoming on Saturday, the um, after this match, uh, on October 13th, so after the international break, uh, they take on uh, Wolves at home. Uh, so, um, uh, so they have that kind of international break to prepare for that uh, without a ton of players going on on, on internationals, but a couple. Um their top goal scorer right now is uh, Danny Ings with uh, two. Uh, both John McGinn, Matty Cash, and Courtney Haas all have one behind him. Uh, Danny Ings is also the top system man with two, and Douglas Louise ha- also has two. Um, Top-rated player is uh, Douglas Louise with 7.41, and Matty Cash is behind him with uh, 7.18. Last five times that we've taken on Villa, most recently we lost to them back in May of uh, 2021, uh, 2-1. We beat them the prior four times that we faced them, both in March of 2021, February of 2021, um, and uh, August 2019 in the league. And then uh, we have to go back to 2017 in the uh, uh, the FA Cup where we uh, beat them 2-0. so we've been handling them well, other than the most recent loss. But they they're they're playing better right now, and especially against tougher sides. Um, and we're obviously not playing well, well against uh, uh, better teams. So so where are you guys feeling? How are you guys feeling on this uh, Villa match? Uh, let's let's start with uh, Lucas first. Yeah, you know this is a team. Um... I mean, I would like to say I'm feeling a lot better about it. I think our the fact that we got smacked yesterday and we've given up three goals in our last three straight losses in the league has us all down. Um, but I like to think that we've been playing a little bit better at home, um, which gives me a little bit of confidence going for this one. Um, but, yeah, again, Villa's a team that this is probably one of the most balanced Premier League tables I've seen in a long time. The league this year is there's no real layups like there used to be. Um, there used to be at least three, four, five teams that you could just pretty much consist on turning over at home. Um, but this year's different. Villa seems like they've got their shit together. They just went to United and had no problem giving them a game and beating them 1-0. So I don't expect them to fear big, bad Tottenham right now. Um, so they have some guys that can absolutely play and go score. So we have to be up for it. And that'll be the real test for us is how do we go from this absolute nightmare that's been the last couple of weeks do we turn it around and get our heads on right? Or do we continue to spiral um, downwards? And I think this is probably a big turning point for us potentially. And I'd like to think that we come out and do the job properly this weekend. Uh, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think Villa's done a great job after they sold Grealish, they kind of did their business behind the scenes to, use some of that money and they spent it wisely. Danny Yang's always seems to score against us. So um, 
I'm going to predict a Villa win in this one. I think I'll go like 2-1. Uh, and the main reason I'm doing that is because I've started to discover over the years here that we've got Luke's locks and then you've got like Rick's reverse locks, right? So if I bet on something or predict something, pretty much the exact opposite's going to happen. Now, the <laughs> Slovenian team doesn't count, right? Because, you know, any Premier League team should roll one of them. But when there's two competitive teams playing and I make a pick, I'm almost always going to be wrong, you know, whether it's NFL football or whatever. So I'm going to have a policy until I'm proven wrong where I'm just going to pick us to lose. And that will be the galvanizing factor in us turning it around and winning just so that I get it wrong. So, yes, definitely 2-1 Villa win. We've got no chance. There's no way <laughs> Nuno changes things up and, and rallies us and, and, you know, makes us play any better. Um, we're terrible. And, uh, you know, there we go. There's my delivery to the gods. So. <laughs> Well, let's go to um, let's go to Mike next. I just want to say thank you, Rick, for for taking one on the chin for us, <laughs> making sure that we can win this game. I will um, even put money on it just to make sure it happens. It won't be a lot, but I'll do that. So, I will say I don't think we're going to concede three goals. Let's start out there. I think our defense is going to be a lot better. All right, I think we're only going to concede two goals, and we're going to have a two-two draw. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to win either. But. Um, Hopefully, man. I'm hoping the opposite happens for me, too. Hopefully, we can win that game and Nuno figures it out. But um, we'll see. I mean, only time will tell, right? Go ahead, Lucas. Uh, yeah, I think – Yeah, I, like one thing that's going to be interesting for me is to see um, – I know I talked about when we were just discussing the Europa Conference game. I, I think we're going to definitely see a lot of rotation in that game because it's – I mean, it's like we said, it's the fifth place Slovenian team here at home. But this is going to be an interesting one, too, because uh, now it's like you don't have to – like rotation isn't a given here, but I would like to see a lot of rotation. I would like to see Nuno at least acknowledge the guys that have it, like earned their place on the pitch, um, your guys like Brian Hill. Um, I'd like to see him kind of look to your delis and say, look, you, you've had your shot. Like what, are you, what have you done? Um, so I would like to see him switch some things up and at least try to send a little bit of a message to the players saying you're not just guaranteed a space on your starting 11 just because you're Deli Ali or Ndombele or whoever. It's like even Kane. I mean, obviously that one's going to be the first name on the team sheet anyway if he's healthy. But, yeah, it, you got to start sending a message to these guys that you have to actually perform to earn your spot in the starting 11. So I would like to see some rotation. doesn't have to be crazy, but at least some kind of message that, we're trying something different and we're not just going to roll out the same crap that we've seen for the last three beat downs we've taken. Well, and uh, I think to Rick's point earlier, I'd like to see the three at the back in this match. Um, I, I think this would be a good place to test it out. And I think there's a lot of opportunities. We have two talented attacking players that can play wing, wing back right now in Emerson and in Regulon. And I think like if uh, if we're trying to get them forward, uh, create that width, um, and and we do put like a skip and Hoy Bier in the the, the midfield, and uh, we we don't try and do this both Delhi and uh, and Dombele thing. I think we could uh, be successful, and this might be a good team to try it out on because it's they're stronger, uh, but they're not as tough as the top of the table, and I. Um, 
and we've certainly looked better when Skip came on. Like I, I think Nuno's roots are in a bit more of a defensive style, um, and um, I, I certainly hope we see like Ramiro paired with somebody. I would hope Sanchez over Dyer at this point, but um, but regardless, I want to see Ramiro in this one, um, and I, I want to see a solid defense that's uh, protecting the goal and, and that we're using that width to get forward and get the ball to the Sun and Kane in this one. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I, I think this would be the best time to try out this back three. I know we talked about, you know, hopefully he had a, an awakening with the last performance and result, but um, this would be the best time because Villa, um, I've been watching actually uh, the last couple of the games, I saw them destroy Everton 3-0. I saw them uh, just beat United 1-0. And I saw them uh, play Chelsea off the park. I know they lost 3-0, and it looks really bad on their result. Um, but they actually played really, really well that game. And they didn't deserve to be down 3-0 against them. Um, so with Lukaku scoring two really, like, low-chance uh, goals. So I think they're such a good transition team. Uh, and they're really fast on the break. And... I think if we come out with the back two, I, with Dyer and Sanchez again, for example, I think we'll get destroyed. I, I think that would be the worst thing you could possibly do uh, if you're Nuno. So I, my recommendation is to go to that back three and, um, you know, just really muddy it up, slow it down, um, because they, they're so good on the transition. Yeah. So, um, who hasn't given their predictions yet? I think me and you just haven't given predictions yet. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, Rick. I said, uh, well, I said 2-1, but I guess I didn't leave my, uh, I didn't say my yeah, score. Yeah, who are your goal scorers, Rick? And uh, I, I'm going to apply my reverse psychology thing to this, too, because I'm like, I keep picking Kane. He's never going to get off the mark. So let's say, like, Matt Doherty or some crap like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I'm wrong, and, and then we'll actually score, and it'll be somebody we want it to. So, uh, so Matt Doherty with a brace? Sure. Had... Uh, yeah. No, I <laughs> say we lose, we lose to Villa 2-1. And uh, I, I obviously don't expect Doherty to play, but uh, let's just say, uh, you know, uh, you know, Romero. I'll say oh, Romero. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike, who did you have? What was your final score prediction? And what, uh, what, who are your goal, goal scorers? I'm thinking it's a 2-2 draw. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I, I really don't know who's going to score. For, I think Kane will get off the mark because the pressure is going to be on him. And he always shows up. Not always shows up. He does show up sometimes. There's pressure on him. And I think Sonny. Sonny's definitely going to score. So I'll say we'll score two goals. It'll be Sonny and Kane. I think we won't have enough to, to, to win that game, though. Okay. Uh, Lucas, uh, your prediction? 2-0, uh, Kane Brace. He's got to get off the mark at some point, you would think. Why not now? I would hope so. Um, I'm pessimistic about this one. Um I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's a one-one draw, um, and that's me being slightly more optimistic about my pessimism and thinking that we get a point out of this. Um, I think the goal comes from Sun uh, because we're just waiting on Kane at this point and we're not seeing it, uh, unfortunately. But um, I hope I'm wrong there. Um, I want to go to final points for the episode. Any final thoughts before we wrap up the conversation today? Uh, we've gone about an hour and a half long at this point. So uh, um, uh, any final points before we wrap things up today? 
No, nope. just the, you know, in, in this grand scheme we're talking about and, you know, where we are and what we need to, to, to do to get better. I think we just have to really start thinking about who we need to clear out. And I, I think that's going to mean saying goodbye to some longstanding servants that, uh, you know, we, we wanted to see rebound and just aren't going to like Delhi, like Dyer. And, you know, if, if Tungi can't get it together this year, you know, we, this is three managers in a row that he's had problems with. And you know what? It, at that point, it's your problem, right? It's not the manager's problem. It's your problem. So if he can't get his game together, I think he's got to go too. Uh, I think those are just, you know, letdowns by players like from like that or, or really what's kind of bringing us down. And similar to how Pochettino had to do his kind of targeted clear out of certain factions of players, I think. That might be what we're looking at doing again here if we want to try and turn this around. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and to your point, like I think um, if we're going to start looking at this uh, Nuno out thing, I think we also have to look at some players that um, that just haven't been able to perform on any coach, or, or like, and we start having players that don't want to perform for a certain coach that comes in we have to start questioning whether it's the players or whether it's the coach at a certain point. Um, Not saying that Nuno was the right guy ever or that this was the best possible decision that Spurs could have made. But, but I think there are some question marks in in this roster that we have to think about moving forward. Yeah. It's the, it's the old joke, right? About if you're, if you're out all day and you meet a bunch of assholes, you were the asshole, right? And you know, if you've gone through three or four managers and, three or four managers have designated you to be the problem, then you're the problem, you know? So it's time to accept it and move on. And yeah, unfortunately that's sad for the names involved, but uh, it's gotta be done. Yeah. Um, Mike, uh, final point before we wrap up. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Nuno's gotta be, have to be strong or he's going to lose his job. I think he needs to, to just put his foot on the ground, say, Hey, you're not playing the way I want you to play. And from now on, you're only going to get conference league matches until you start playing the way I want you to play. And Mourinho did with Delhi, and it, you know it was a whole backstory, and it was really annoying as a fan to not see Delhi play, to hear all these things. Every time he won a game, there was like a little tinge of you know regret. Oh, but Delhi didn't play, and here's an article about Delhi and what's going on with Delhi, and it's just so annoying. But I think Nuno has to put his foot on the ground the same way that he did, um, and I think this is a make or break year for so many players, like Rick was saying. There's so many players on that that this is really a make or break year for them. Sanchez is one of them. Los Celso's another, and Tangi's another one. Delhi's another one. Um, you know, even Bergvine, um, he's he's coming to a, close to the end of his rope. You know, um, there's so many players that this is a make or break year for them. So they gotta really um, take that that step forward or or leave the club. And it's sad to say that too. Yeah. Well, great, excellent conversation today. Thanks so much to uh, to Mike Lucas and Rick for being on today. But that about wraps up the episode. So thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today, Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, Lucas for Luke's Locks, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Um, we were there recording last week. We'll, uh, we'll be there again soon by November uh, recording in person. Uh, we are on Skype today, but it's great to be back there watching matches. Uh, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Uh, find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Spurs and our website at 4 
Bob Eusberg. <laughs>